The word Advent itself means arrival or an appearing or coming into place. Christians often speak of Christ's first Advent and second Advent, that is, his first and second comings to earth. His first Advent would be the incarnation, Christmas time this very Sunday. The Advent season lasts for four Sundays. It begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas, or the nearest Sunday to November 30th, and ends on Christmas Eve. One of the most common Advent traditions involves the use of evergreen wreaths, branches, and trees. On the first Sunday of Advent, churches and homes are decorated with green to symbolize the eternal life that Jesus brings. An Advent wreath, an evergreen circle with four colored candles surrounding a white one in the middle is placed in a prominent spot. The candles are then lighted one at a time on successive Sundays. The first candle is the candle of hope or expectation. The three remaining candles on the perimeter are given various meanings depending on the tradition. On Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, the center white candle is lit. This is the Christ candle, a reminder that Jesus, the light of the world, has come. Today, Leah lit the first candle, representing hope. Advent, in part, looks back at what happened at the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But it also, in part, looks ahead to what is to come. Today, we are excited to share with you the power of hope. What is hope? Hope that is defined by the world is not the same hope that is defined by Christ in the Bible. Most people understand hope as wishful thinking, as in, I hope something will happen. This is not what the Bible means by hope. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. Hope is a firm reassurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. Hope is a fundamental component of the life of righteousness. Without hope, life loses its meaning, and in death there is no hope. Romans 8.24 says, For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is not seen, that is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. So you, he is the Messiah, 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels have left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, good morning. I hope that you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays, and I hope that you enjoyed yours. I'm so glad that I'm able to be with you this morning, have this opportunity to share with you, and have our youth group kind of host this first Sunday of Advent. Uh, I've been really excited just to, to be here and talk about what hope is, and why is hope so important, and what does it mean for our lives, and to hear some, some awesome stories about hope. But I want to thank you uh, as a church uh, for just your love and support of our student ministry refuge. Uh, your love and, and encouragement and your prayers are so coveted and they're so noticed. We notice how much you love us and care for us and uh, I'm just so blessed to be a part of a church, to be the youth pastor at a church that really loves and supports and means what they say when they say that we love students. Uh, I'm so so blessed to be a part of, of what we do here. And so uh, I want to thank you for that. And thank you for your prayers. We covet those so much and uh, need constant encouragement for what we're doing in our efforts just to really love and impact the lives of teenagers in this area. But I also want to take some time to notice and recognize and thank my youth workers. I don't get a lot of time up here often, and so I want to make sure that when I'm here, I want to really thank my youth workers for what they do they spend countless hours planning, driving, setting up, tearing down, investing in students, caring about their needs, going above and beyond what they really need to do to do uh, the dirty work, the hard work of investing in the lives of teenagers. Uh, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for all that they do and what they do for our youth ministry. They are the kind of the bloodline for what we do. And so uh, I'm so thankful for their their heart for our teens, and their love uh, for us. Um, so thank you for what you do. This Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and as we sang about, as you heard, read about, we are talking about hope. Hope as the birth of Jesus. And so what does it mean to have hope? What does it mean for hope to really uh, infiltrate who we are? But I, I love how uh, Marissa started with this definition of hope, defining what hope is. I think hope can be something that's hard to really grasp or understand, even define. I think if we talk about other kind of like hot topic words would be like love, uh, things like that. You can kind of define anger. You can define those things. But hope is one of those weird ones. But not only do I love the definition of hope and kind of what was read, but I think sometimes 
even in life, when we define things, it doesn't help us fully grasp what those things really mean. I can give you a definition of something, but you not fully understand what that really is. And that's why I love stories. I believe in stories, and I love how stories impact us, the way that they speak to not just us as a person, not just our heads, but they also speak to our hearts. And that's the power of story, and I think Jesus knew that uh, from the beginning of time and knew that stories were one of the most powerful tools that we have to really share his hope and his love and his grace. And so you're going you're gonna to hear some of those uh, this morning. But I want to start out with this a little bit of a, of a story of my own. I know that you probably spent this past week with some family members, yes. Yeah, you got together for Thanksgiving and were able to uh, have some bonding time, whatever that means for you. Uh, I uh, traveled to Ohio and was able to sp- uh, spend the week with my wife's parents and brother and sister-in-law and our niece and nephew. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun. We, we really invested in each other. We loved each other. And I enjoy doing that. But you spend all this time at Thanksgiving being thankful for things, and then comes Black Friday, right? Black Friday comes. Uh, I saw this meme on Facebook earlier, and uh, I, I think they'll show it up there. But uh, it was just a, it just caught me off guard, and I thought it was pretty funny. And so I thought, man, how true is this? Because only in America do people stand in line for hours to trample other people for sales exactly one day after they celebrate being grateful for what they already have. (laughs) Preach it. That's a sermon right there, I think. I mean, I think that's a sermon. I I know that lady. Oh, no, I don't. No, (laughs) just kidding. But uh, I got to spend uh, Black Friday, Black Thursday, honestly, because that's when the sales start for real, right? You know, Uh, I got to spend that time with my family. But does anybody... You know, as the dynamics, as you're, you know, dealing with the dynamics of family, does anybody in their family have a surprise killer? Like, when they have a surprise, they cannot hold it in. They do not keep secrets. When things get really exciting, they just got to, like, burst forth what they hold inside. Uh, I'm sure may, many of us have those, those people in our families. I have one in my family, too. I got to spend a lot of time with her. Uh, the culprit is behind me. Um, you'll see her. She is a surprise killer. Uh, she, does not, she, doesn't, uh, she doesn't really do well at holding in secrets. Um, Logan, this is my niece, Logan. She is awesome. She's three years old, but she does not know how to hold and contain surprises. One of the, what happened over this weekend was, obviously we're watching football, eating a lot of food, uh, watching a few episodes of Paw Patrol. If you are a young parent, you know what Paw Patrol is. Um, and so we're watching some episodes of Paw Patrol, and Logan decides it's time for a hide and seek. You know what that game's all about. So she starts screaming, hide and seek, time for hide and seek. And so all of us adults are kind of like, all right, yep. So we start kind of calling out to the other adults in the area, hey, come in, come into the living room. We need to play hide and seek. Logan wants to play hide and seek. So we get moving, we kind of get going. And, all right, we're, we're all getting ready to count. You know, got to count to 10. So Logan says, all right, got to count to 10, and then I'm going to go hide with Aunt Ashley. So we get ready, and, I mean, we're just right before we start counting. She, uh, she says, all right, Aunt Ashley, let's go hide in the closet. <laughs> Surprise killer. <laughs> so we count, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then we come. But you know when you show up and you know where your three-year-old niece is hiding, you can't just, 
you know, be like, oh, hi, knew you were there, you know. Surprise, you know. you got to act enthusiastic. One of the first times that we showed up, we knew where she was going. I think it was like the bathtub or something because she yelled it out. And uh, we show up, and we're like, okay, hi, Logan, great job, fun. And uh, surprise killer. And, uh, but she stopped us. She said, no, 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 you have to laugh. You have to be surprised. And uh, so not only did she kill the surprise, she wanted you to fake surprised when you saw her. So uh, that, was my, uh, that was my encounter with my family's surprise killer this, uh, this weekend. But I think hope does the same thing inside of us. Well, what, what's the attributes of a surprise killer? I think surprise uh, killers in our families, the reason they do that is because they're so excited about what is in store. They're so excited about what's to come. They're so excited about the good that is about to be brought out, and so they can't contain their excitement. If there's a surprise birthday party or if there's a surprise gift, they just can't control themselves because they're just so excited. And the one thing I notice about uh, this surprise killer attribute is that oftentimes what they're so excited is not uh, the good that's going to happen to them because they already know what's going to happen, but it's the good that they can't wait to share with someone else, right? They can't wait to share this surprise because it's so good for the person that's supposed to be surprised. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know how many times you've blown it. I, I blew it once, um, only once, uh, when I was about to get engaged, I was walking around in rings, engagement rings. They come in a box. And uh, you know those boxes, they have lids. And if you open up that box and then you let it go, it's kind of like spring-loaded. It like snaps back. Well, I'm walking around Breckenridge, Colorado with my soon-to-be fiance, and I'm snapping this ring box in my pocket. Later on, I find out that she heard that, and she said, well, I knew you were going to propose to me. Surprise killer. I couldn't help it, though. I was so excited. Uh, I was, there was so much anticipation. I was so nervous that I'm sitting in with my hands in my pockets and my, I had a vest on. Uh, I was snapping this ring, just this ring box, just click, 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 click. And she goes, yeah, I already knew it was going to happen. I knew, I knew it was going to happen. And so, uh, great job, Josh. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> but surprises have so much, uh, there's, there's so much joy in them, right? There's so much goodness that comes out of them. And that's what I think hope does. Hope says, hey, you have something that you is so good for someone else. Go give it to them. You have something inside of your heart, uh, inside your life that's eternal, that you need to share with someone else. Let it burst forth from you. Let it seep out of your pores. We should be the most hopeful people around Pekin, around Tremont, around East Peoria, Peoria. We should be the most hopeful people that are walking the earth, especially during Christmas time. This is when we have the most hope. This is what we're celebrating, the first Sunday of Advent, this, the Sunday that we celebrate hope, the birth of Jesus. So as I said, I love definitions. I love how they help us understand things, but I love more stories. I love how stories impact us and what they say to us. And so what I want to do right now is I want to uh, have you hear a story of hope from one of our students. So I'm going to invite Dallas uh, Wilson to come up. He's a ninth grader at Tremont, and he's going to share with us his story of hope. 
So I had a good Thanksgiving, but lesson learned, don't overeat. That's all I'm going to say. So I'm going to get started here, but warning, I might be emotional because last time I cried. So hope has been a big part of getting me to where I am today. I did not have the hope of knowing that I could have someone that will be there for me. I would probably not trust or even know who God is. Life's struggles require you to place trust in God and not yourself. If you had only trust in yourself, you would, there would probably be no glory given to God. Then there would be no glory. So if you ever think you're never going to make it through, then give your glory to God and he will bring you through. I'm going to share a little bit about how I found hope in Jesus Christ. But before that, I'm going to share how Moses had hope from, the, from God. God gave hope to Moses and the Jews. God said, I don't want you to go around the waters. I want you to go through them. God said, Moses, strike your staff at the waters, and the waters will part, and I will drown out the things that have been chasing you down. In the book of Psalm, it says, in Psalm 42, 5, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Hope is hard, and I have a story to tell. My life started to change when I was in fifth grade at a Christian camp. Every Wednesday of every week, they would talk about the wordless book and the colors, the meanings of the colors. The first one was gold. Gold meant how much God loves us and how much he wants us to be in heaven with him. After that lesson, I was like, wow. I can have a personal relationship with God, and wow. I can live in his house one day. I had thought on that for a while. And then the next Wednesday, the color was black. And black meant because we have all sinned, we cannot be with God because God is perfect. That day, I felt hopeless and confused. After my mom picked me up, I had went to my room and I asked God, why can't I live in heaven with you? And I said, well, there has to be a way. And there was a way. That the way was the color red. The color red meant that Jesus, my hope, had come and shed his blood for me and you so we could get to heaven. My prayers had been answered on that day. I was so excited the next week the color was white. And white meant because Jesus is pure and perfect that he died on the cross. He can clean our sins and clean my sins so I can go to heaven now. And on that Wednesday, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I can remember myself saying, it's time I just go 
and I mold, and just let God mold my heart. And then I went to church that, that Wednesday, and I walked right up to Charlotte Moore, and I said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I said, I've accepted him in my heart. And she gave me the biggest hug. And, oh, I felt so good to know that God was at work on me. Finally, the last color was green. And green meant to grow in your faith with Christ. And I walked up to Charlotte and Miss Greta, and not only did I ask them for help, but just them speaking and talking to to us at the um, up on stage that really helped, you know. But I was only 11 years old and wanting a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That was was awesome. And I don't mean to toot our own church's horn, but we have a really good church. And it starts early down in the children's church with the leaders there. I mean, come on. I was only 11. And to ask God for a personal relationship, that was just awesome. At age 11, I found hope in Jesus. I can go to a place that is, I found hope in Jesus and a hope in a future. My, that future was heaven. I found that heaven is a perfect place with no sorrow, no death, no tears, no persecution, no more hunger. If you know Jesus, this gives you hope. God gives us hope for a future. He is coming soon. Revelation 22:12. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the al- the alpha, the and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There's a hope that one day he shall return and He's not going to give us what we deserve. Instead, he's going to give us grace. (sighs) He's going to give us grace. Because we all deserve to die on a cross. Because if you look at all the sin that goes on, and you look at us, we don't deserve to go somewhere that is perfect. We deserve death. But God instead gives us hope. He gives us grace. He didn't have to send his son, but he did. And that's why. That's why. We have a hope for future. And in Revelation 22, 20, he who is faithful he who is the faithful witness to all these things say, says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen, Lord Jesus. If we have hope and we believe, then he shall take us to eternity.
I'm so glad that I have all these people and people from refuge and my mom and my dad and then for all you guys saying hi to me in the hallways and Pastor Brock and Pastor Josh and everybody giving me hugs out there it just it means a lot so my hope is that that I can give hope to others and that I can bring hope to my family and my friends and like they sang let's go tell it on the mountain so good job buddy That's why I believe in stories. That's why uh, I love definitions, but I really love stories because stories are what change people's hearts. Definitions can speak to your head, but stories speak to your heart. Great job, Dallas. Thanks, man. That should give you a lot of hope right there. That should give you a lot of hope right there. The New Testament's idea of hope is in the recognition that Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies and promises, and that Christian hope is rooted in faith uh, that is found in salvation. But it starts with the incarnation of Christ, and that's what we celebrate on the very first Sunday of Advent, incarnation. Uh, It's a fancy theological word for God in human form or God in flesh. That's what incarnation means. And uh, I was talking to my 7th and 8th graders. I teach their Sunday school class. I love them. And uh, we were reading through the story of the birth of Jesus. And it kind of is an odd story. We were reading it together, and as we were reading through, uh, some of them just noted that there was just some oddities about what the story was all about, about how... Uh, an angel came to Mary and told her that she was suddenly pregnant, and they found it weird that she rode on a donkey, and uh, she's riding around, and then she finds a place to stay, but there's no room in the inside, so she has to stay on the outside in the stable, and that uh, Jesus is born outdoors. He's born in a barn, and just some really odd pieces to this, but I really wanted to to point out or ask them, and I started to, to question them, okay, but what's the, what's the importance of, why does it matter that Jesus was born? Or why, does it, why do we even care that Jesus was born uh, in this way? What, what's the point of all this? And the point is incarnation, that Jesus became one of us. He became human, fully human. So he's able to experience what we experience and, and give us an example and a light and give us hope. That, that's, the, that's the importance and that's what, That's what this Sunday celebrates. This Sunday celebrates that specific hope, that recognition that Jesus was here, and he was here to fulfill all the things that he had promised. Uh, When we look at the the world around us, it's easy to recognize, uh, I think, uh, if you're really looking, it's really easy to recognize the rule and reign of God in the hearts of men, uh, not 
typically in American culture. But when you look over you, if you believe that God is sovereign, he is. And so, but the, the, the point of Advent is, to, is a kind of a two-part thing. It's to look back, but also to look forward. Uh, Andrew read in the kind of the understanding of Advent that we, there's two Advents, really. The first Advent, that'd be Jesus being born, which we're celebrating today. But also, we have a hope for a future, as Dallas talked about. We have this forward-looking hope that we don't have to just look back at the past and say, oh, the good old days, but we can look forward to what's going to happen, the second advent, the second coming of Christ. And that is where our hope is found. It is awesome that Jesus came and he was, he was born a, a human and he died on the cross, but the, the beauty of that is that he rose and we have a second advent awaiting. So we have hope for things that are to come. I, I, love, I love that. That we don't just have to sit by idly, but we can live into God's kingdom now. That's the beauty of the first Sunday of Advent. That we can be participants in the kingdom of God that is now. Not later. There is God is coming back, but we can participate in his kingdom now. I know there's a lot of despair in our world right now. There's a lot of things that feel like they're broken. Maybe we don't feel like there's a lot of hope. Maybe it feels almost hopeless. But we have an eternal hope, a hope that cannot be taken away, a hope that cannot be burned down, it cannot be stolen from us, it cannot be removed from who we are, but we have a hope that's eternal and will lead us and guide us and should impact who we are. And I love how almost every story that you hear of someone coming to faith, there's a old and a new, there's a a backward look and a forward look. And a, an idea of this is who I'm becoming. I was this, but I met Christ. And I am now walking into who I'm becoming. In the same way that we are walking into the second advent, the coming back of Christ. And it's not that, hey, I, I got saved and there I am, the first advent. But no, that there's, there's something more to come. And I've got hope that I can live into that. So, that leads me to this next story. I'm going to invite Nicole to come on up, and uh, she's going to share with us her story of uh, who she was and who she's becoming. All right, so I'm Nicole. Uh, I'm going to show you how I was shown hope and how now I show hope to other people. So when I was in junior high, I was going through a rough time. My family was at a hard place. I could not find real friends. I just felt lonely and hopeless. I would seek popularity and would try to fit in as much as I could. I used sports to fill my heart and thought that if I could just stay busy, then I'd be happy. But then I met Brooke Sherwood. She was in my class and I saw something different in her. I wanted to know how she was always upbeat, had a unique perspective on the world, and she was uh, confident in who she was. We became very close friends and she led me to PFN. At first, I thought that Christianity was about looking like a good person in the church. They did not act that differently outside of the church, but I was very wrong. Once I started to learn more about Christianity and what it was all about, I was instantly hooked. I started to form a relationship with God and other people in refuge. I realized that God is the answer to how I should live every day of my life. Before I let God into my life, I had no idea how to live Christ-like. I was not happy. I had no confidence in myself. I followed false idols. I thought my family and I would always be a complete mess. I have learned that Christianity is less about rules and more about how wonderful our God is and how we should live every moment for his glory. 
This church has shown me that God can handle any real-life things that come my way. I've struggled with giving everything of me to him. I struggle with being hopeful in my family members when they repeatedly mess up. But when I surrendered myself to him, I received hope and peacefulness. My faith would not be where it is today without the advice, friendships, laughs, and uh, the godly examples that Refuge and this church have brought me. The love that I receive from my church family renews my hope in the community. God has opened my perspective to look at the world and the people around me through God's eyes. I would have never guessed that I would give my entire life for God, but he has given me hope in every situation that I have and will ever have to face. The hope that God has given me has lit a spark that gets me so pumped to learn more about God, the Bible, and to grow spiritually. I love God and all the feelings and relationships that come with him. I could not live one day apart from him. When I received the joy and love of Christ, I found it impossible to keep God inside of me. God shines through me everywhere I go. I try, I try to show hope to everyone that I interact with. At work and school, there are so many people that feel hopeless and are turning to false idols for temporary hope. Those people just need to know that God loves them and they need a friend to help them along the way. When the bumps in life happens and I feel hopeless in a situation or a family member that is lacking hope in their life, I'm reminded that we're all on a different journey and that God's love for me and the hope he gives me is not because I'm a good person or because I do all the right things. My hope is not found in being a perfect Christian. I am able to give other people like my family grace in situations in which they mess up or are not perfect. God transformed my heart, not me or anyone else. We can't change ourselves, so I love and show people grace with the desire to give them hope in Jesus. Hope has transformed my life, and now I, can hope, I hope that it can transform other people's lives. Um. I shared this in the first service, so I'm going to share it again. Uh, I was so taken back by these guys because when I asked them to speak, I just gave them the topic. I just told them, hey, I want you to talk about hope in your life. Tell me about how you found hope or how you gave somebody else hope. That was it. And they came with that. Uh, I met last week with Dallas at Wendy's, and he shows up, and he's got everything printed out and typed up. He's got a cover letter that says, Story of hope, you know. Oh, he's, gonna, he's showing it to you over here. He's got his cover letter. Got cross on there. Nice job, Dallas. Man, if my youth pastor would ask me, I'd have some chicken scratch or something and been like, well, I got something, pastor. But Dallas comes with that. And then uh, Nicole writes me this huge Facebook message about basically everything she just said. Uh, and I really didn't have to do anything with either one of them. We just they just came with that, and uh, that is what gets me pumped to be a youth pastor. That's what gives me so excited is because uh, I don't have to, that is all what God's doing in their heart. There is so much godly fruit coming from all that stuff, and I know it is certainly not me. Uh, it is definitely God working inside our youth group and inside the hearts of our, of our teenagers, which is just awesome. So uh, great job, guys. Thank you so much. So as we look at this last part of hope, I've got to start thinking about what does hope mean for me, right? So I love that there's hope, and I love hearing these stories. These are all great. But what is hope? How does hope impact me? How does hope change my life? How does hope affect who I am on a daily basis? 
And so I want to talk about a couple of those things. The first thing is that hope is dynamic, which means it's active, it's uh, directive, it's life-sustaining. Hope is never just idle, it's never static, it's not a passive thing. Hope is something that moves, it changes, it transforms, it does not just sit on its hands. And that's what I love about hope, is that if you have hope, just like uh, Nicole said, it was impossible for her to contain that. If you have eternal hope in Christ, it's impossible for you to not move, to not uh, be changed, and not uh, accept Christ. And so I love that about what hope does. Uh, when you look at you know, the word hope and you find it in like, the concordance of the scriptures, when you look up in the Bible the word hope, you're going to find a lot of different scriptures, but all of them talk about how hope is dynamic, how hope does something. It moves, it acts, it changes. Not that you just have this blind, wishful thinking, right? And that you just kind of sit around and just wish on a shooting star, right? That's not what hope is. It's active, and it has a confidence to it. It has a trust element to it. It also has results. We can see that hope changes us. When you have hope, it's going to change who you are. What it really does is it changes what we value, it changes what we value and how we uh, live out the things that we value. So it's going to change. And when you have hope, it's going to change how you spend your money. Because if you're not focused on just this world and just this life and making things as comfortable as possible, uh, then when you have eternal hope of things to come, then you're going to spend your money in different ways. It's just impossible not to. It's also going to really affect your time. Time is one of your biggest uh, resources that is all, probably your most valuable resource, right, is your time. And if you are filled with hope, you're going to spend your time differently. You're going to invest in things differently than if you didn't have any hope. I, I, I try to allow God to, to, I am definitely not above reproach. I, I'm always asking God, what do you want to change in my heart? What, what's black-hearted about me? What's in there that you need to just dig out um, get out the jackhammer, God, you know? And so as I'm thinking about this message this week, uh, I was just noticing in my own life, man, Josh, you just spent a lot of time watching football. And you spent a lot of time investing in ESPN. ESPN does not give a rip about you, bro. You're talking about people that you don't know, that don't know you, that will never meet you. Uh, just did I spend enough time with my grandparents for their 65th anniversary uh, this weekend? That I spend enough time with my, uh, my, my nephew, JJ, or my niece, Logan, or my brother and sister-in-law, or my uh, in-laws? Did I, did I tell them that I love them and I'm thankful for them? Did I try to give them the hope that I have? Um, man, I was just really convicted in my own heart. If I have hope, how am I living this out? How am I spending, am I, am I investing my time in things uh, that are fruitful or, or not. And so uh, I'm always reminded of that, you know, that verse in Matthew says, it talks about, you know, don't store for your tre yourself treasures down here, but store for yourself uh, treasures up in heaven. And that's what I want to do. I want to invest my time and my life into things that matter. And so uh, it also is going to affect kind of just uh, not only where we spend our money and, and where we spend our time, but it's going to really affect our relationships. If you have hope, it's going to change how you interact with other people, right? 
It's going to really affect how you, uh, I, know, I don't want to say that you want to come into a relationship with somebody that you've never met with, kind of with an agenda, but you, you probably have an agenda. You know, you, hope gives you an agenda. Hope says, I have something that's so good for you that I can't wait to share it with you. I want you to have it so bad. So I'm clicking the ring box in my vest because I can't wait to share this goodness with you. I can't, I'm, I'm going to be a surprise killer because I cannot wait to share this with you. And I think that we see some of that, uh, that enthusiasm, that hope, that celebration just even in the story of the birth of Jesus. The angels could not contain themselves. They were just ecstatic, right? The wise men brought gifts, you know. No one told them to bring anything. You know, the angels didn't say, make sure you got your gold ready, friends. Bring it to Jesus. No, they just could not wait to give. They could not wait to, to go out. And that's what hope does. Hope says, hey, this stuff's all passing away. I don't need this. This is it's just, a, it's just, it's just a few dollars. Let's give that away. I want to give somebody hope. You know, I, oh, just a little bit of my time. I, am I a little bit inconvenienced? Maybe, but man, it's going to be so fruitful at the end. Okay, and I got these relationships with people that don't know Jesus, and I cannot wait to share hope with them. I cannot wait to invest in them. I cannot wait to, to love them and care for them in ways that people of this world who don't know Jesus, who don't have the hope, they cannot care for people like I can. They cannot love them like the way that I can because I have something that's eternal, that lasts forever. And I'm so excited to share that. And so when you have hope, it, you can't, it, it's impossible for it to not affect your relationships with other people. So as I uh, move into a uh, a time of response. There was a sheet of paper on, in the backs. If you didn't get one, well, I have ushers that are going to come and help you pass out some of these sheets. But it's a way to respond. And on this sheet of paper, uh, the top line just talks about who can you bring hope to. And what I want you to do there is just talk about some people. When I say, who is it that you can uh, bring hope to, I want you to write about one, two, three, three names of people that you know, you know what, they don't have any hope in their life and I want to bring them some hope. But right underneath that, there's, an, uh, there's a question that says, how are you going to do that? How are you going to bring them hope? And I would love for you to detail, uh, write out in detail, or, or as specific as you possibly can in the space provided, how it, how it is that you're going to bring them hope. Hey, I love, I love that you want to bring people hope. I want to bring people hope too, but if I don't have a plan, it's going to be really difficult for me to follow through. And so I want to just think about how I love, you know, I love Bob, but how am I going to bring him hope? I want to bring him hope, but here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to invite him over for dinner. I'm going to, I'm going to invite him over for coffee. Or I'm going to invite him to uh, the, the Christmas Eve service. I'm going to do what it takes to try to give someone hope. So I would love for you to, as the band plays uh, this kind of closing song, I would love for you to just respond on that sheet of paper and then when we take offering, uh, we will just collect everything all together and then we'll separate it at the end. But I'd love for you to put that inside the offering because what we're going to do is after we collect all of these from first and second service, uh, we're going to hang them outside of our youth room. We got, a, we got a wall, a big long wall outside of our youth room and refuge and we're going to hang all of these because we want to be reminded that we have a hope and that we're in the season of hope, Advent, and that we want to go take hope out to the world. We don't want to contain it to ourselves. But we have specific people that are real, real live people that have real souls that we're trying to impact, affect, and bring hope to.